Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, and hold your finger there for a few moments. This morning, I want to continue to talk to you about resetting, resetting. And David was a man after God's own heart. And because David was a man after God's own heart, David had the ability to reset. He had the ability to look deep within himself. He had the ability to say something is off and I need to repent. Everybody say repent. I need to repent. And I need to ask God to forgive me and to cleanse me and to do a new work inside of me. If you notice in, in actually Psalms 51, David leads us through the work of the Holy Spirit. David first recognizes there's something wrong. Then David confesses there's something wrong. Then David actually asks the Holy Spirit to do the work in his life. I want you to know at the outset of this sermon that you cannot will yourself to love God. It actually comes by your surrendering to the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you are broken and you surrender yourself to the power of the Holy Spirit, he puts inside of you a supernatural love so that you might love God. Philippians 1 says, it is God who works within us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So salvation, eternal life, loving God, living for God is a work of grace. Everybody say a work of grace. And grace is God giving you what you need, when you need it, even though you don't deserve it. We don't deserve anything that we have from God. We simply receive it as a free gift from God. So I want to say that at the outset of this sermon. And how many know that honey is so sweet, but if you have too much honey, it's not good for you? So I'm not going to give you a whole lot of honey today. I'm going to give you a little spice today. And, and, and if you can't say amen, say oh me. And so here in the scriptures we find that the reason why David is a man after God's own heart is not because David is perfect. It's not because David never sins. It's not even because David never actually backslides or, 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 or is a little distant and cold from God. It's that David recognizes often that he needs a savior and he goes running back to God and he pushes the, pre, the reset button and he says, God, I need a do-over. God, help me today to do it right. And because David is always running after God, because David is always repenting and asking God, God hears his prayer and God restores him, he revives him, he renews him, and he resets his heart. And I have to tell you that the truth is that as we look in scriptures, we find people, we find churches that often needed a reset. Last week, we, we looked at the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus is one of the churches in the book of Revelation where Jesus says, I love you and I need to rebuke you. How many know that sometimes Jesus needs to rebuke us? If Jesus never tells us the truth, if Jesus never is strong with us, if Jesus is never firm with us, if Jesus is never direct with us, if Jesus never tells us that we're going the wrong way, he doesn't love us. But the Bible says because he loves us, he disciplines us. Are you with me? And so 
Jesus is speaking to the church of Ephesus, and at one time, they were on fire. Ephesus was located in a very strategic place in the world, and Ephesus was very wealthy, but they had lost their first love. Now listen to me. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you go to church every Sunday. He says, you even... You even sacrifice your time. He says you even work in, in, in Sunday school. You, you work as an usher. You work as a deacon. You might even be a pastor. He says, and he said, I know your work. He said, I know your labor. He says, I know your patience. He says, I even know that you recognize good from bad, evil. He says, I know that you even recognize when there's somebody who's a false prophet. He said, but there's one thing that I hold against you, the most critical thing of all. You've lost it. He said, you've lost your first love. He says, and I'm telling you, you need to return back to your first love. And last week we talked about revival and how revival is actually a work of the Holy Spirit so as to help us to rekindle our first love for God. When a person is experiencing personal revival, they're living in their first love relationship with God. God comes first. And we talked about revival, and, and we recognize that revival is really not for the unbeliever. Resurrection is for the unbeliever. Conversion is for the unbeliever. Regeneration is for the unbeliever. The unbelievers, dead in their trespass, in their sin, they're blind. They are dead spiritually, and they need a spiritual resurrection. Revival is actually breathing back into something that was once alive, or maybe is alive but is about to die. So, so Jesus is saying to the church at Ephesus, you're about to die. You're about to die spiritually, and you don't even know it. Why? Because you're going through the motions, and you come to church, and you do all these things, and yet you don't even realize that my Holy Spirit is really not at work in you. It's just religion. Wow. Do you know how many religious people there are in this world? That they go through the motion, but they don't know Jesus. They know religion. They don't know Jesus. They know church, but they don't know Jesus. And Jesus, when he judges the world, there are going to be people that come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I went to church. Every, I never missed church. I served in the ministry. I did all these things. I even did miracles in your name. How? We don't even theologically understand, but they did miracles probably by the enemy more than by Christ. And Jesus says, depart from me. I don't, I don't know you. You don't know me, and I don't know you. So the question today is, do you deeply know Jesus? Because if you don't know Jesus, you need revival in your heart. And that's what revival does. Revival rekindles our love for God. It helps us to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's all that counts. Do you love God with your heart? Do you love him with your soul, your strength, and your mind? Now, I can't tell you that I love him with all, but I'm getting there. I'm working on it every day. I'm recognizing. That's why, that's why I have to tell you, I don't, frankly, I don't understand people who say, I'm okay, I'm good spiritually. I'm never good spiritually. He's good, and I'm always working on it. But that's okay. I don't have condemnation. I don't walk in condemnation. I just understand that I live in the light. 
And if I live in the light, I recognize that God is so great. He's so awesome. He's so powerful. He's so mighty. He's so loving. He's so deep. And I'm not that deep yet. And I want to keep on going deeper. I, I don't live in condemnation. I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm loved by God. I know I'm more than a conqueror, but I also know I can go deeper. I also know that I can experience more of God in my life. I know that I can understand him more, that's for sure, because, wow, his ways are so much higher than my ways. His thoughts are so much deeper than my thoughts. And so, so I'm, I'm constantly asking the Lord, Lord, have I lost my first love? Lord, show me where I need to ask for forgiveness because there are things that I'm blinded to that I didn't even realize that I'm doing. And then there are things that I'm not blinded to I'm still doing and I need to recognize this is going to kill me. This is going to kill relationships in my life. So Lord, do a deep work of love in my life. Now we want to look at the second church in Revelation, and that is the church at Laodicea. I'm not going to go through them all. I'm just going to go through two today, or two this, this, in this series. But now we're looking at another church, the church of Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was actually positioned, located, in a very important place. Again, it was located like Ephesus. Paul always went to important cities. That's where he planted churches, in important cities. Why did Paul plant churches in cities? People are in cities, lots of them. So strategically, he went where the fish were, lots of them. And he planted a church in Laodicea. Now, Laodicea was actually at the crossroads of three highways. So it made it a very, very important, strategic, wealthy location. And they were known for several things. One, they were known for banking. And they were known for gold. They had lots of gold. And they were known to be wealthy because of their gold and their banking. Secondly, they were known for their medical. They were known for their doctors. They had very good doctors. In particular, if you had an eye problem, you would go to Laodicea because they were known for doctors, ophthalmologists, doctors that were very gifted. And so they were known for those two things. As a result of that, they were very wealthy. And now this church, this small church, is born in Laodicea, and they're on fire for God. They're not cold. They're not lukewarm. They're on fire for God. Now, Laodicea had one really, really big problem. They were located in a place where there was no fresh water, so they would have aqueducts that would flow into the city. And the aqueducts actually brought water from one place into the city. And by the time the water, the hot water, got to the city, it turned lukewarm. And so Jesus uses those three things to help explain some things to this church. And so I want you to follow with me, and I want you to read along with me, if you would. Revelation chapter 3, verse 14. To the pastor, the angel... Of the, I'm an angel. In Revelation, to the angel of the church meant to the leader or the pastor of the church. Everybody say, Pastor Steve, you're an angel. <laughs> My wife wouldn't say that. No, I'm just kidding. To the church at Laodicea, right? These are the words of the amen. 
the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold or hot. I know your deeds. In other words, I see what you're doing. Now, somebody once said, you do what you value, and you value what you do. So if you tell me that you value exercising, and I look at you, no, I'm just kidding. And you don't exercise, that's not a real value. That's a preferred value. I'd like to do it, but I don't do it. If you say that you value relationships, but you never take the time. I value my family, never take time. Then you don't really value. I do what I value, value what I do. So Jesus says, I see your works, and by recognizing what you're doing, I can see that you're neither cold nor hot. He said, I'd rather you be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will spit you. That's a very, oh my goodness, like, that's, that's horrific to think that God would spit us out of his mouth. That's, that's very graphic. He said, but I will spit you out of my mouth. He says, because you're, you're neither cold nor hot. He said, I'd rather you either be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, you're no good for the kingdom. Why? Because the truth is, when you're lukewarm, you say you love God, but you don't live as you do. You say that you know God, but you don't live as you do. You say that you love what God loves, but you don't give your resources to that which God loves. You say that you understand the word of God and you agree that the Bible is the infallible word of God and you agree with your mind that Jesus is the only way and that he died on the cross and that all should come to repentance through Jesus Christ and if their names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, they will spend eternity in hell. But you're not filled with a passion to do anything about it. And therefore, as a father, a lukewarm father, lukewarm father comes to church, puts in his time, goes home and lives like the devil and confuses his children. A, a lukewarm Christian comes to church, they praise the Lord, but they go to work and they're closet Christians. They don't want anybody to know they're Christians. And when a person finds out that they're a Christian, they say, why in the world did you not tell me that you were a Christian? And there's going to come a day when we're going to be enjoying heaven. And I think the voices from hell will scream out to us and say, you said you were a Christian. And you said you believed in Christ. And you said there was a heaven, but you never told me about it. So Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold or hot. Because if you're cold and you say you don't believe it, at least I can work with you. And at least you're not confusing to the world. But, I, but I'd rather you be hot and on fire for God. I'd rather that your soul burned with a passion to know God, with a passion to make God known to the world, with a passion to use your talents and your abilities and your treasures, all for the glory of my kingdom. He said, I wish you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. And then he says to this this group of Christians that were living in a very predominant, prominent, powerful city. He said, I know your works and I know that you say that you're rich. That you don't need anything. 
He said, but the truth is, I want you to know spiritually, even though you've got everything that you need, he said, the truth is, I say to you that you are poor, wretched, blind, and naked. Wow. God sees through the religion. He sees through the activity. And what he sees is a spiritual person who's blind, can't really see, can't really understand. That's why Jesus said, if, if you have ears to hear, pray that the Spirit would make you understand what he's saying. He says, and Jesus saw right in them and could see that spiritually they were poor. They were blind. They were poor. They were illiterate when it came to the Word. They were poor in their prayer life. They were stingy in their giving. And Jesus says, you say you've got everything you need, but there is a spiritual famine in your soul that has made you poor, blind, and naked. And so he says, here's my counsel to you. He said, I counsel that you go and buy gold refined in the fire. He says, you're known for your gold. He says, and gold always has to be refined in the fire. What is gold? Gold is just a simple metal, but put in the fire, all the dross comes out, and it becomes a beautiful piece of jewelry. Better than that, it becomes something that we can, we can live on. It provides for us. And Jesus says, I, I counsel you, instead of shopping at the finest stores on Fifth Avenue, instead of buying more and more gold in an effort to make yourself more and more happy, come and buy from me gold that is refined in the fire. In other words, let me give you true wealth that comes from true character forged in the fire of the Holy Spirit. Wow. Let, let me give you character, inner character, inner holiness, inner righteousness that comes through grace forged in the fire of the person of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't take your gold with you. You can't take your wealth with you. The only thing that you will take with you is yourself, your character, your love for God, and people that you won for the kingdom of God. He said, not only that, but I counsel that you would allow me to put robes on you, white robes. And a white robe sim symbolizes purity. He said, let me give you a white robe so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and, 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 and so that you might understand that holiness and righteousness is not something happens outwardly first. It happens deep within our hearts. It's the righteousness that comes from a holy God. It's the righteousness that comes from the Holy Spirit working through character and fruitfulness in your life so that your relationships can be blessed. Look at me. In a couple of weeks, March 31st, I'm going to begin a brand new series and it's going to be a fun series. We're going to laugh a lot. And it's, and it's actually a series about building relationships, building positive relationships. And the series is entitled, You Drive Me Crazy. Don't look at your neighbor right now. That's not a good time. But how many of you have somebody, a relationship that drives you crazy? How many have a boss that drives you crazy? 
How many have a worker that drives you crazy? How many have a, a family member? Maybe it's not in this room. Don't look around right now, but it's a family member that drives you crazy. Well, we're going to learn how to deal with people that drive us crazy. We're going to learn about how to deal with conflict. We're going to learn about relationships and how important it is. But I want you to know the, the first component, the foundation of relationships. Look at me. The foundation of relationship is within you. You are the key to every relationship in your life. And if we don't learn how to live holy and righteous before the Lord, then we can't have positive relationships because sin destroys everything. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to that. Sin destroys everything. So if I have jealousy in my own heart, what are my relationships going to be like? If I've got envy, if I've got a critical spirit, if I've got pride in my life, if I've got unforgiveness in my own heart, if I'm living in sin, if I'm addicted to drugs, if I'm addicted to pornography, if I'm addicted to sex, if I'm addicted to anything, if anything becomes my God in my life, it's going to destroy my relationships. So Jesus said, listen, I know you've got a lot of money, but your relationships are a mess. The United States of America is so blessed, and yet the percentage of people that stay together in marriage is very low. So you can be rich on the outside and poor on the inside. And as a result of that, because you have poor character and you have poor habits in your life, it destroys the relationships around you. So you got a lot of money, but you're paying alimony three times over. Come on, somebody say amen. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? Better to be holy and righteous and love God and love your first wife and stay together and pull all your money together so that you can be wealthy. You're never going to get wealthy by running from one person to the next person to the next person because you can't tame the desires on the inside of your own heart. So Jesus says, come by of me. So I'll give you gold refined in the fire. I'll, I'll create a person of character and I'll put holiness in your spirit. He said, and I salve. He said, come and I'll give you eye salve. He said, the doctor's there. They can only help you with your physical eyes, but I can give you eyes of the spirit. I can open. I can. Look at me. Jesus said, I can open your eyes to the riches and the depth of my kingdom that you've never seen before. Did you ever meet a weird Christian? Most of the time, it's not that they're weird. It's that, that you don't understand because the things of the spirit are so deep. Now, I'm not saying, because there are genuinely wacko Christians. So then, don't get me wrong. There's some wacky people, and they say some wacky things, and they're not biblical. But, but Jesus said, give them ears to hear and eyes to see. And a lukewarm Christian cannot see the richness of God's kingdom. Therefore, we look weird to them. When you're on fire, and everybody else is lukewarm, you look absolutely weird. It's all about God. Oh, I know. Pastor Steve, you just keep on. You know why? Because they can't see what we can see being on fire for Christ. Because revival brings, listen to me, revival rekindles our love for God. Look at me. Personal revival also brings a new awareness 
of the glory of God and the holiness of God that most people can't understand. When, when a church is on fire, when a church experiences revival, one of the first things that happens is that there is a deep awareness of God's glory and God's presence and God's nature and God's character and a deep awareness of our sinfulness. When we're lukewarm, it's like, I'm okay, everybody's okay, you know. And there's not this consciousness of the holiness of God. So we, we live with sin in our life, and it doesn't bother us. It doesn't bother us that You know, there are things in Scripture that are so contrary to the way we're living our life. We're not convicted of it. Why? Because we don't feel the conviction of the Lord because we're not on fire. But when we get on fire, we see the glory and the holiness of God. And it's not this thing that's dreaded. It's not this thing, oh, man, if I get on fire for God, I'm not going to live a life. I'm not going to have fun. No, 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 no. If you get on fire for God, you're going to shed all the nonsense in your life, all the stuff that's keeping you so busy with the nonsense, the sin in your life that so easily besets you and is destroying your relationships and destroying you inside and keeping you away from the best things in life. I'm reminded of Isaiah. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 6 that when King Uzziah died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord, and he was high, and he was lifted up. When I saw the Lord for who he really was, I saw God as a holy, holy, holy God. He said, and the angels of the Lord cried out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of the glory of God. And at the sound of their voices, the Bible says, the doorpost and the threshold, they shook. And the temple was filled with the glory of God. The temple was filled with the Shekinah glory of God. And Isaiah said, oh God. Woe is me, I have seen the Lord. I have seen him high and lifted up. I have seen how holy the Lord is and how unholy I am in his presence. It's not to make us feel condemned. It's just to make us understand. We serve, look at me. We don't serve Mickey Mouse. We serve God Almighty. We don't serve a a heavenly Santa Claus. We don't serve a God who's not mighty. We don't serve a God that cannot heal. We don't serve a God that cannot deliver. We don't serve a God that cannot give us the strength and the power to overcome our drug addictions. We serve a mighty God who can give us holiness and righteousness and set us free. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. We serve a holy God. Mm. I promised myself I wouldn't yell. I promised myself I'd behave myself today. But notice, notice Isaiah's response to who God is. He doesn't, he doesn't treat him as the, the big man upstairs. He doesn't even want to go to God and ask him for anything. His first response to the awareness of who God is is, woe is me, God. Who am I, God, that I get to be in your presence and see how holy and awesome you are? Wow. Amazing. Unbelievable. 
And it wasn't because God wanted to slay him, but God just wanted to reveal to him, this is who I am, man. This is who I am. I am God Almighty. I am the creator of the heavens and the earth. I've created all things. And so when we experience revival, the Holy Spirit reawakens an awareness of the holiness and glory of God that always leads us to true repentance. God raises up the prophet, and the prophet cries out and says, hey, you're going the wrong way, and your sin's going to lead you down the wrong, the wrong road, and as a result of that, it's going to kill you in your relationships. So, so recognize that and repent. Now, repentance is not a bad word. In fact, the prophet says, before God can shower you with his blessing and shower you with his spirit and his glory and his power, his Shekinah glory, and shower you with his presence, there must be an awakening of the awareness of the holiness of God so we can see who God is, so we can understand who God is. And the truth is, we all want the blessing of God without the holiness of God. God says, if you want me, I come with holiness because I am holy. And, and holiness means that, that God is separate. He's not like anybody else. And John says that we are not to love the world or anything in the world. For if anyone loves the world, love, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father but from the world. And the world and its desires are passing away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Therefore, he says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Listen to me. We want revival, but we don't want to live right. We want revival, but we don't want to live the way God calls us to live. But God says, no man can see me and experience me and know me without holiness. No, I can't make myself holy, and you can't make yourself holy. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. That's why he's called the Holy Spirit. And Peter said on the day of Pentecost, repent of your sins. Then God will send refreshing. God will send his spirit. So I believe on the day of Pentecost, those people, they had, they had understood the power and the holiness of God, and they recognized, I can't do this on my own. I need I need the Holy Spirit to come to live inside of me, and I need to surrender. The deeper the death we die to ourselves, the greater the resurrection we live. And so I come and I surrender to your grace and mercy. And what is grace? Grace is God giving us what we need when we need it, even though we don't deserve it. And so God gives us what we need. When the Spirit of God comes upon us, he says, you'll receive dunamis, enabling power to love God, to live for God. So I'm not suggesting that this is a work of your will. I'm suggesting it's a work of the Holy Spirit, and it's a work of you recognizing you need God. That's why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. In the summertime, we're going to go through a series called Be Attitudes, or we're going to go through a series, 40 Days of Attitude. And we're going to talk about the right attitude that helps God to work in our life. And, and the first attitude is, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It just means that I'm broken, I'm broken, God, I'm dysfunctional, and I come to you. I recognize that I do sin. I recognize that I can't do it on my own, but you can do it in me. So let me ask you a question 
this morning as we draw this sermon to a conclusion. Are you thirsty and dry spiritually? Do you find that you need a fresh touch from God? Is there an emptiness and a leanness in your soul? God today wants to fill your heart. He wants to touch you. He wants to send his rain into your dry spirit. But first, the question is, are you willing to repent? What is true repentance? Repentance is a biblical word. It's a good word. It's a wonderful word. And the Old Testament thunders. Repent and turn from all your transgressions or your sins so that your iniquity will not ruin you. There it is. Turn from it because it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy your relationships. It's going to destroy your relationships with God. And the New Testament also vigorously exhorts men and women to repent. Jesus says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish in your sin. The Apostle Paul says, now God commands all men in this room, watching via live stream in the cafe, in the balcony, God calls all men, commands all men and all women everywhere to repent. So the Bible commands it. Our wickedness demands it. Justice requires it. Christ preached it, and God expects it. But I need to tell you what repentance is not. Repentance is not penance. Repentance is not, okay, God, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to work hard to make up for our sin. There's a whole religion based on repentance. A Christian church preaching that repentance also comes along with penance. Listen to me. You can't pay for your sins. You can't make up for your sins. If you could make up for your sins or pay for your sins, Jesus was a fool for dying on the cross. He died on the cross because you can't do it by yourself. He paid the penalty for your sin. Repentance is not remorse. It's not feeling bad. It's not self-condemnation. It's not, oh man, I'm so bad, I'm a worm, where was me? I, I can never love God. I'm, I'm, I'm a sinner. No, 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 we need to know who we are in Christ, amen? And in Christ, I'm a child of God. In Christ, I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. In Christ, I am beloved by God. I am, in Christ, I am the righteousness of Christ. Wow. Say it in the Greek with me. Wow. Say it in Jamaican. Wow, man. That's amazing that God actually paid the price for us so we might be righteous. But that doesn't negate the fact that we have to take inventory every day. Search me, O oh God, and know if there's something in me that's keeping me from flowing in the anointing of God, search me, O oh God, and see if there's something keeping me from experiencing and enjoying the full understanding of who I am in Christ. Because God loves you, and there's nothing you're going to do that's ever going to change his love for you. But repentance is so good because it's like taking a shower. And friends, let me tell you something. If you don't take a shower for a little while, you're going to stinketh. And there's a couple of Christians, a lot of Christians, that have not taken a repentant shower. And guess what? Your work stinketh. 
Your attitude stinketh. Your fruit is rotten. Your relationships are sour. Because we don't recognize repentance is such a good thing. Why? Because number one, repentance is a change of mind. Anna, I'm doing this, going this way, and it's bad. And I'm not pleasing God, and I'm not pleasing anyone else, and I need to change. Repentance is coming out of denial, and denial is not just a river in Egypt. It's understanding, man, this is who I am. This is my condition. Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. He says, woe is me. He, he, he repents. But notice what happens when he repents. He changes his mind. He, he recognizes, I, I need to do something about it. Repentance is a deep conviction that we've done wrong in God's eyes. It's, 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 it's contrition. It's our hearts being broken fully, completely honest about our motives and our actions. Repentance is, is really a change of mind and attitude and ways. And if you notice David in Psalms 51, he says, Lord, he says, have mercy on me. Cleanse me. Then I will, my ways will change and I will help others to understand the same. He says, and don't take away the joy of my salvation. So, so, so the truth is repentance is just recognizing, man, I, I want to be close to God. I want to know God. I want to I understand God. I want to go deeper in God. And there's probably some things in my life that are stopping me from doing that. There's, there are two kinds of sins. Look at me, everyone. There are two kinds of sins. The sin of commission and the sin of omission. We understand the sin of commission. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. The sin of omission the things that God tells us we should do, and we don't do it. And, and you know, here's how God operates. Here's how God operates. Angelo, come here for a second. Good-looking Angelo guy. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come, come, come stand right over here. Give Angelo a big hand. My goomba. My goomba. Angelo. Angelo. These are the cutest glasses I've ever seen. These are yours? Angelo, you need to repent and get rid of these glasses. These are Angelo's. These are his glasses. Don't worry, I'll give him $5 after the service for that joke. He's my good friend. Angelo is my good friend since I was 19 years old. He is the first person I met when I came back to this church. He embraced me, became my mentor and my friend for life. Give it up for Angelo. This guy is amazing. He teaches me how to love God. Five years ago, five years ago. 35 years ago. Look how old he is, how young I am. Now, I want you to see this, okay? So repentance is, Lord, I recognize, Lord God, that I need you, you to do a work in my life. Whatever it is, I need you to do a work. And the Holy Spirit comes and says, Angelo, okay, you recognize that. Now, I want you to just ask me to forgive you. And then, Angelo, here's what I want you to do. I want you to spend time with me. And I want you to get into my word. Listen to me. The sin of omission. God tells us to do something, and we don't do it. To know to do good and not to do it is sin. So Angelo goes, yes, I'll pray. God, I'll turn my life around. I'll start doing the things. Remember what Jesus said. Do the things that you did at first. Angelo says, yeah, I'm going to do it. But Angelo doesn't do it. Holy Spirit comes back. Angelo, spend time with me. Get in my word. Go deep in discipleship. Let 
let me do an inner work. Yes, Lord, praise the Lord. I came to church on Sunday morning. I'm on fire. He leaves the church and doesn't do it. Holy Spirit comes back because, man, he loves, he loves him. Comes back, Angelo, I told you, spend time in my word. Go deeper in discipleship. Let me do a work. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Doesn't do it. But I'm not going to talk to you. When you're ready to obey, I'm not going to talk to you anymore until you obey what I've already told you to do. I'll be here. But I'm not going to talk to you. So a lot of Christians say, why don't I hear the voice of God? I'm telling you what. I hear the voice of God all the time. It's not audible. But it's a small, still voice. See, obedience is better than sacrifice. And what God is looking for you to do is just recognize, I need you to help me. And then when he tells you what to do, just simply obey him. And obedience turns into a lifetime of walking with God, hearing his voice, so that God can transform us on the inside. Let's give it up for Angelo and his pink glasses. Thank you. Love you, man. I'm ready to talk. Okay, go, go over there, and I'll talk to you in a minute. So as I, as I bring this sermon to a conclusion, and as the worship team comes, when we experience revival in our life, God restores the joy of the Lord in our life. Notice what David says. He says, and restore to me the joy of my salvation. Here's the product of you coming to God and saying, God, do a deep work in my life. God restores joy in your life. I never saw a person who was on fire for God who lacked joy. The joy of the Lord becomes your strength. That's why when a church is on fire, the worship is intense. When a church is on fire, the praise is intense. Our lifestyle is intense because we're filled with joy. How many of you want joy in your life? I want to have joy in my life. Joy comes when you have personal revival in your life. Not only that, but when you have personal revival in your life, you, you walk in freedom. Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So you're not bound any longer to the things of this world that try to drag you down. But the Spirit of the Lord is there to set you free from those things in your life, those addictions in your life. When, when you experience personal revival in your life, God restores and rekindles your love for lost people. You, you just, you're on fire for God and you want to tell the world about it because you, you actually are experiencing the presence of Almighty God. And listen to me. And lastly, revival not only brings personal love back into your life for God. It doesn't only give you an awareness of the holiness and the greatness of God and an awareness of your condition, but it also reestablishes joy and freedom in your life. And that freedom leads to you becoming a light to the world. And light makes everything brighter and salt makes everything better. And God gives you a love for the lost. And as a result, here's the result of revival then God begins to reform society. God begins to reform the world around you because you become the answer to the world's problems. We love to complain about how dark the world is. 
you know what? The next time you complain about how the world is so dark, I want you to ask yourself this question. How bright are you shining? Because I want to tell you something. My world right around me, my world, I can control this much. My world around me can be as bright as I want it to be. The Bible says, repent of your sins, be saved, and your whole household will be saved. I'm believing that everyone around me, my neighbors, my friends, my coworkers, everyone that I can get close to will shine brightly. Why? Because I, wanna, I want God to set me on fire so other people, other people can watch me burn so that that fire will jump on them and they'll get on fire for God. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, today for your word to our hearts. And the Holy Spirit's asking right now two questions. The first question is, if you died today, do you know for certain that you'd go to heaven? You say to me, Pastor Steve, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Well, Jesus is reaching out to you right now and saying, I died on the cross. I paid for your sins so you might have everlasting life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but through me. And so there's only one way. There's only one door. I know some of you want to believe what the world tells you, that there's many paths to God. Friend, there's only one answer to our sin problem. If I came to you today, you got bit by a snake, and I came to you and said, just chew this bubble gum and you'll, you'll be better. That don't work that way. you got to have the answer. You have to have the serum. If I said to you, two plus two is five, it's not going to make it five. It's four. And there's only one answer for man's depravity and sin. It's the man, Jesus Christ, who became flesh, God in the flesh, who took our sins upon himself. You say, I can't understand that. I'd love to explain that to you in a in a more deep way but you're here to say today you say pastor pray for me today I'm not sure if I die today I'd go to heaven I want Jesus to be my savior and my Lord with every head bowed every eye closed just raise your hand right now I just want to pray for you right now God bless you 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you if you raise your hand today there's gonna be some workers we call them altar counselors they're gonna be standing up here in 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 five minutes and after everybody leaves, after we pray, because I'm going to ask you to do something in a moment, when everyone else is going, you just stay for a few more moments. They want to give you some information to help you on your journey of faith. So please don't leave. This is your eternal destiny. You know, we can make time for everything. Make time for God. Make time to know the answer to that question. You say, Pastor, I want to be on fire for God. I want to be on fire for God. Pastor, I'm, I'm lukewarm, but I need Jesus to set my soul on fire. I want you to raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me right now. Pray for me right now. God, touch me. Set my heart on fire, God. Set my heart. Just raise your hand as high as you can. As high as you can. Let me see those hands today. Let me see those hands today. I'll tell you what, man. I feel like my own soul needs to be set on fire again and again and again. You, you, you can't get close to God without saying, Lord, Put a fire in my soul. I'd like everyone to stand right now. Would you please? Everybody standing in this place.